0: This is a test of the Bounty Park Alert System. Welcome to episode four of the Boundary Park Alert System. I'm Matt Dean and I'd like to start this week's show by saying a huge thank you to everyone who has listened to and supported the podcast so far. Episodes two and three have totally exceeded my expectation in terms of listener numbers, so I'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening and for getting in touch and sending me positive messages via Twitter. I really do appreciate it. If you like the show, please do make sure that you follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube or wherever you listen, and please share it on your own social feed. We want to get this podcast to be part of a bigger movement that helps us all get back the kind of football club that we used to have with us, the fans, right at the heart of it. Your support is really crucial, and by listening to this and subscribing and sharing, that's just absolutely vital in getting the word out there. So coming up on today's show, we have an interview with Stockport County fans, Russ and Nick. They're two of the hosts of the Scarf Bagara War, the Stockport County fans podcast, and they have some start warnings and some advice that we really need to pay attention to. I'll be introducing Statman Tom, who's going to be giving us some of the details on the Lattice performances this season so far, but... To kick off, here's the post-match chat that I had with Will and Steve from Push the Boundary after Saturday's 3-3 draw away at Colchester United. Right, morning lads, I've got Will and Steve from Push the Boundary with me. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad? Help. Yeah, good, yeah. So we're we're, we're, we're chatting with a point on the board after yesterday's game. The (laughs) absolute six-goal thriller down at Colchester.
1: What a difference a point
0: makes, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't doesn't take much, does it? Well... Off, Off the mark. I was amazed that we got a point at half time. I thought we were going to get absolutely bummed. I thought the second half was just going to be more of the same, but it was. It's, it's, this is the thing at League Two level because obviously the substitutions that Kuhl made were one were kind of forced on him in terms of the formation and stuff. But um, I think Colchester just didn't come out at it, did they? Their, their mental state was we've got this wrapped up, and they just kind of before they knew what had hit them, they were in trouble.
2: We just we just started battling in the second half. Started, <laughs> we looked like we wanted wanted to score Um, and just the difference from the last few games one of the things as well seemed to to not tap it around the back a lot we were a lot more direct with it
0: well we played football in their half of the pitch which makes all yeah. the difference, like putting them on the back foot. I and mean, you I mean we've got to give a shout out to Bambula, which is Definitely. a great name. First of all, yeah. I mean, there's got to be some great songs yeah. and stuff and, and chants about <laughs> that. But one of the first things he did was, it seemed, was to just get on the ball and just drive at the defenders and started doing a lot of stepovers and stuff, and it was just, you know, really, really having a go. And it made, it just made all the difference, I think, to the rest of the team as well, because we've not had anyone who's who's literally dragged the rest of the team up the pitch like yeah. that, have we?
1: No. No,
0: I think he, I mean,
1: at this level as well, I think players hate people that just run at them, don't they? Yeah. Cause, you know, you just don't know, don't know what to do. And, and if they've got a better pace about them as well, and he seemed to have that, he seemed to have that sort of ability to just, you, you were never quite at the ball. were are, you know, it was like a, this is a ridiculous comparison, but you know, like a, like a one-chop or something like that, that like you're just never quite there, are you, with it? And he was just drawing the defenders in. And I, I don't think it helped, did it? That they had two guys, I think, on that flank that were on yellow cards, weren't they? So they knew that they couldn't touch him. Yeah, and it was just it was just perfect for him to come on, wasn't it? And just just say right, just go at people. You know, we've literally got nothing to lose. Yeah, and it and it and it paid
2: off. Good to say. We were playing better before he came on, even though. It, but but when he did come on, he made even more of a difference.
0: So yeah. there's something that's it's nice to have something to be a little bit excited about. I think you know, obviously he comes with some pedigree in terms of where he started his career. He doesn't seem to have uh, to kind of phrase pulling up plants in terms of goals scored uh, in where he's been recently but like he looked like he could certainly create a lot of goals and, cre- and he, he nearly scored himself didn't he? He had a shot from the edge of the box which just mm. just went past the pause. So you know if whoever signed him there's obviously potential there. I think what The concern from fans, from what I can gather from Twitter and stuff, is these kind of players with that kind of ability that end up at somewhere like Oldham at this stage in their career tends to be, for it's non-footballing reasons, why they're not performing at a higher level. It's it's inconsistency and it's maybe an attitude thing and all that. So that's obviously, you know, we've got to temper the enthusiasm that we have for the performance yesterday. Definitely. We, We can't expect that every game can we
1: no I mean I I certainly don't want to put a damper on it because we'll have to put most of six fans on suicide watch I think but (laughs) yeah I mean you know we saw Moosh I remember Moosh came in when he when he played against was it Peterborough in Welland's first game and he looked like an absolute world beater you know so you have got to temper it a little bit but I mean what a a great start to be honest if he he can do that then you know I'd like to see Keel get his tactics right from the off if I'm Mm -hmm. honest because he he definitely didn't do that but to know that you've got a, a player who's got that kind of ability
2: Brilliant! Yeah, we just need to send him down to away matches in a taxi the night before every match. <laughs> 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 Was it nine, nine Sa- o'clock? Nine o'clock on Friday night, we send him sent him down there to Colchester in a taxi.
1: Yeah, it sounds like sounds like a few away day stories, doesn't it? Really, Mr. Mr. I had to get a taxi down there.
0: Well, whatever works for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it made, it made, it made a big, it made a big difference. It, 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 I mean, I, I listened to BBC Radio Essex yesterday, the commentary on the Colchester. Um, yeah, so he kept I. calling, yeah, Cam Rick Borthwick Johnson, uh, plays for yeah, yeah. us. Um, and things like that. But it was just interesting to listen to it, the whole thing from, from a different point of view. But they, you know, they were, they were very impressed by him. He was definitely the big talking point of the, of the afternoon. It was a cracking finish for McAlleny for the, for the third goal. He really smashed that in, didn't he? And he scored a yeah. good penalty, took that nice away into the corner. I thought he, the keeper had saved it initially, but went right into the corner. And um, actually quite a good little finish from Pierre Gianni as well, who, who does get in the mix, doesn't he, on corners and, set, and, and De- De- set pieces. He's he's dangerous, isn't he, in the box?
1: Yeah, I think that seems to be the tactic from corners, doesn't it? It's just absolutely load everybody into the six-yard box and, and just put it in the mix. So that seems to be the way that we, uh, that we do it. But no, he was good. Good finish. Good delivery. Good is, finish. It, is
0: it Barnett? Is it Barnett? Uh, was it, was it Barnett? Yeah, Barnett. Yeah,
1: Barnett. It was. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got
0: seems to have quite a good delivery. He put two good balls in. We put with either foot. He put a good one in with his right foot, but I think he's left footed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You, you know, that's yeah. that's encouraging. I thought he did. I thought he did all right. I think he probably has to start the next game. I you think that's it. I mean, it
1: was, yeah. Hopefully, that injury for uh, Badan was not a, not a bad one.
0: What do you think about that sort of three across the back thing? Do you think that's something that? You no. the three centre-halves, or do you think that we would no. lucky yesterday? No. No. no,
1: throw it in no. the bin, throw that in the bin, and burn, burn it, burn it, kill it with fire. <laughs> <laughs> I think as good as we looked, you know, going forward at times yesterday, like when, when, when Bamboola came on, defensively, I thought we looked like an absolute shambles, to be honest. I think John, John Batty, at best, I'll say I'm, I'm withholding judgment on him. He doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence.
2: Same. Looks unreliable so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just always brings us back around to David does and it? it just makes a mockery of the David Weat situation. Every single week, you know, we scored three goals away from home today and we and we didn't win the game because we we, we concede three, and um, we've conceded, that's the third time we've conceded three goals in a game. The we've only yeah, four third, yeah, game, game. in a row. Played four games in the league. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's pretty shocking. Ten goals in four games yeah. we conceded, and what we scored six. So it's a worry because we're never going to win games if we're going to concede that many goals, are we? No, I mean, no. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that
2: whatever's going on with Wies from Woods isn't going to get resolved anytime soon. So we need to replace him. We need we need a decent centre-half to go next to Piergiani. We've made a few signings, but it's all been midfield and forwards. There's a couple of lads from non-league in, in defence, but really we need someone to help shore up the defence. And and again, what doesn't help, what didn't help again in the first half yesterday, there was like the balls were coming through midfield too easily yeah, yeah. again. Mm. You have got Garrity and Whelan in in midfield, not protecting the the, the back four, back five, no. whatever, no. um, well enough. So it's just coming straight through to the defence.
0: That's not working, is it, as a as a midfield partnership at all? It's, not for me no. No, I don't think so. And Wheelan yesterday again didn't have a good enough game. I mean, he might show some nice touches on the ball and stuff, but midfield is is the place where you need the general, innit? it? You've got to have someone in there who's...
3: Yeah,
1: who's somebody's just going to put the foot on it and, yeah. you know, control the tempo. And, yeah, we've definitely not got that at the moment. It was just, you know, in that first half, you know, it was just the ball was pinging around and it wasn't sticking in midfield, was it? It wasn't sticking up front. It was just constantly sort of... It was just constantly coming back.
0: There's a yeah, lot of I mean, sloppy he... mistakes yesterday, especially in that first half. Really, really yeah. poor touches. There was a few from Fage. I don't want to jump on his back, but there was some. He, he, there was a couple of really bad unforced errors from him, which were just, you know, there's nothing that a manager can do about those kind of things. They're just, that's what you do training yeah. That's what you do drills for it on the training ground. to so just so that those things become second nature. It wasn't like that. So we've, we've you've got to tighten that up. Those kind of sloppy mistakes just keep putting us in trouble.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what what, what do you reckon next then? So who's who's next? Well we've got Donny in the club, haven't we? But who's after that? Is it uh Mar- 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 at home? Mar- Mar- Saturday, yeah. So they so what 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 are you thinking team wise then? Are you thinking Ro? What you know, Roe scored and obviously got dropped. Was it rumours that he had an injury or you've got Bamboula that that had came on and played really well? Like what, what what do you what do you do with that start eleven now then?
0: I don't know, I mean, Blackwood seemed to disappear a bit out of it yesterday in the second half. Thought when Bamboola came mm. on, so I mean, he looked like a threat on the right hand side. Bamboola didn't. He? he looked like the kind of player that you want coming in off the cutting in off the right hand side. Like I think that's probably the best position to play him mean, if he's going to play one up front, which it seems to be the case. So he's going to play Blackwood up front, and, or he's going to play a front, a front three, um, yeah. sort of thing. McKellan, he needs to be up. He, he does. I mean, you know, he's a top scorer, isn't he? So he needs to be up and around the around the box going forward.
1: Yeah. I think that that's the thing with McAllen, is that he's like, he's, he's, he's sort of gone under the radar almost this season. Cause he's, you know, what's his record now? He's got about five goals in like seven games or something, something ridiculous. You know, he's, he's a, he's a baller, isn't he? You know, he's, he's come down and he's, he's, he's scored a load of goals. He just looks like he knows where the net is. And we've, we've missed someone like that probably since, probably in recent history, since Owen Doyle.
0: Well, he needs to, be, like the, the goal he scored yesterday was, in, you're never going to go wrong. If you've got a player like Bamboo who can drive into the box and cut balls back and then you've got bodies in, that was how we scored. That's how Nicky Henry and Mike Milligan and all those lads and Henry and uh, Richie and Palmer scored all those goals. We had people getting down and driving in and cutting balls back and we scored loads of goals from the edge of the box or in and around the penalty area, just being there in numbers to stick them in and and that's what happened yesterday when we actually had numbers in and around their penalty area. Like playing one up top and you just seeing George... Blackwood or or Raw, wherever it is, just aimlessly running around up front without another Oldham player within fifty yards of him. You absolutely, you're never going to score in a million years, are you? It's just not going to happen. And I think that's why people were getting excited about Keeler Dunn because it looked like he might be a bit of a dribbler. And but he's just not. I yes. mean, yes. chalk and cheese when you compare to how he's performed compared to how Bambula performed yesterday. So
1: yeah, he's not. He seemed to do really well in pre-season, didn't he? DKD, but he's, um, yeah, he's not he's not really turned up this season so far, has he?
0: Bit of a step
2: up, though, for him, isn't it? I, you know, he's been playing non-league. I suppose you can't really expect him to start playing in League 2, being an amazing yeah. footballer. It looks like he has potential. Yeah.
0: Um, mm.
2: He probably just needs a bit of time and, and working on things a bit more to get used to league football.
0: I mean, he made, he's made he's made silly mistakes, and he like he just you know just bad delivery and things like that, and bad passing and stuff. Maybe it's just nerves and all that. Like you know, like you say, he's got to adjust. So you mm. know, hopefully, hopefully that's going to happen. I think I think Cool needs to find a formation that he's happy with, get everybody in the right positions, and and and, and work on that.
2: Yeah, it seems yeah. like he's still tinkering.
0: Which yeah. I suppose you can understand to some degree, but he doesn't seem to have tinkered to enough of a degree it's made a difference if you know what I mean it's kind of a little bit here a little bit there kind of thing
2: it is it's just the players as well I mean he keeps chopping and changing the players I was quite surprised by the starting lineup yesterday
1: so that's so one. looking at the hashtag when the teams came out yeah I think a few people were surprised as well
2: <laughs> um, yeah so the starting players starting Garrity and, I mean we didn't see enough of Badan, but um, from what I've seen of him he looks a bit better going forward but he's not the greatest defender I mean that mm. was quite risky at half time making the Second and third substitutions at half time. Um luckily we didn't get any uh injuries but it it worked in the end. We got the Yeah, point. well
0: I'd, I'd rather see him do that. That's more of what I'd want to see from him. You two 0 down, change it up. Yep. So I'm glad he did I'm glad he did that. That shows a bit of like you said, I'd rather see managers take risks. Sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't, but there's nothing worse sometimes than over caution in a manager, is there?
1: <clears throat> I think that's it as well, and and it's that frustration of like only starting to play when you are two 0 down. You know, you need yeah. to sort of install that so so, you know, from the off next week against Markham, we just need to be at it. We just need to be at them completely. Just put, you know, suffocate and put them under pressure. Yeah. Get get ahead in a game and, and just sort of see see if we can hang on to it. But yeah, I think you know, based on the the, the first half yesterday, wasn't good enough. But the second half did show encouraging signs that that we might yeah. we, we might be about to click. But We'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll see. It's very difficult to get enthusiastic or, or, or overly enthusiastic about anything. Um, you know, We've been ahead this season in four games. We've been ahead for about 40 seconds. So there's definitely a lot of work to do. But at least one thing that about yesterday was it was a good game to watch. You know, it was exciting. There was six goals in it. And that's what we want because the other games have been so dull. And it was... You know, just mm. so disappointing that at least there was a bit of something. We had a, it was us scoring in the 89th minute for a change rather than the opposition. And so at least that's what, that's what you want, isn't it? You want it to at least be able to watch an entertaining game of football. So as far yeah. as the season goes so far, that was a decent game to watch.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So we'll park that. We'll put that on the shelf. We'll find out how we get on next week. I think if we can build on that for a, with a win against Morecambe, then, then there's signs for optimism. If we lose against Markham. We just not, we just feel like we're not getting anywhere or another point. Points are useless, aren't they? At this stage, it's, it's got to be three points that we need. Um, yeah. So, so we'll wait and see. So what about, um, push the boundary activity? What's been going on in the last,
1: since the last episode? It's been a busy week, to be honest. I know we've swapped a few messages and it has been, it has been quite hectic with like different things that we're, that we're trying to, that we're trying to do. Obviously the shirts, the shirts are still selling. So they've gone over a hundred now, which is, absolutely brilliant to be honest so we're really sure thanks for everyone that's um that's purchased one of those i think there's another i think there's another week or i think by the time this goes out it'll be that friday that, that they go off sale so just get your get your pre-orders in and then everything should start to arrive sort of between four and six weeks after that
0: so these uh, are the, these be... are the replica shirts that you did in the style of the 90 was it 91
1: 92 90, season or 99 yeah season? uh yeah 91 91 92 so it's the yeah the bulbish shirt from that from that year and, um, yeah, it seems to have gone down really, really well, to be honest. I think we did the World Cup and then obviously that was the kit that won it. And then, yeah, we, we worked sort of quite hard to, to sort of try and, try and get all the permissions and things to use the Bovis logo and all that, all that sort of stuff. So, so we're really happy with it, to be honest. And we're really happy with the way that they've sold as well. We know it's, we know it's not, it's not cheap. You know, we're asking people to part with money, but it's for a good cause. And, um, and yeah, the response has been great. So, so we have been doing all that this week. And, um, just been sort of trying to trying to prepare a few bits and bats, really, you know obviously the the last few weeks fans have been quite frustrated for want of a better phrase, so we've just been doing some bits around that. We'll hopefully be able to sort of give you a bit more on that soon and um on Thursday, we had a chat with carl Evans, the CEO. so that was a that was a that was a good chat covered a, a myriad of things to be honest it was it was everything going on at the club and and it was just more really us. Expressing where fans are at and how unhappy they are, and, and, you know, just sort of trying to give Kyle some, some bits of information around, you know, if we're going to get fans back on side, what, what needs to happen? You know, there's no, it, we acknowledge it and he acknowledges there's no silver bullet here in terms of what we do. It was just sort of trying to relay sort of the feeling amongst fans and, and how everyone's just pretty pissed off, aren't we? Let's be honest. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, um, were sat,
2: we were sat with zero points, weren't we? No one can argue yeah. about that. We've got no point on the board. People aren't happy.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you know the, the positive thing is Carl does acknowledge that. You know, he he do he gets it. I think he does get it. Yeah, he, he does get it. He's you know, it's clear that he's a football man, and and he understands the the, the frustration of, uh, of of the fans. You know, I think at, at one point he's. I think at one point he said that. Um, when he was at manchester united and he was doing all the ticketing stuff there he said when you when you've got a european final coming up he said you've got you've got something like thirty thousand tickets but you've got like six million members or whatever it is worldwide he said uh don't don't think for a single second there's not a name that i've not been called on social media so he said you know i'm thick-skinned enough to deal with that and he acknowledged the gmr stuff and said that um you know his comments of fans are aren't happy they're a little bit unhappy you know he, uh, he said those comments were definitely made with raised eyebrows, and you know he, he understands the depth of feeling that there is, and and what it means at a club like us. So we're just trying to educate him on on everything that's gone on, and and he's a football man, but he's not an Oldham fan. So we're trying to sort of fill in the gaps on that for him, really. So he seems receptive. He wants to set up uh, regular meetings so we can go through things in more in more detail. He, he bounced a couple of ideas off of us, and you know we did the same with him. So the dialogue so far has been good, but but we appreciate that. I think we've got to start moving and, and got to start looking a lot more positive very very quickly. I think I mean but there's only so much he can do with that. You know, obviously the on the pitch stuff he's he's not really responsible for. You know, one of, one of the things that we that we did stress with him was how Keul has come across so far and that he's not necessarily endeared himself to the fans early doors and he's come out with a few comments that haven't gone down particularly well and we've just sort of said listen you know his kill's going to be a long term and he he needs to sort of open up to the fans a bit more and and engage with them because he's not let's be honest he's not really done that so far has he?
0: No no, he's not made any effort whatsoever to do that to even acknowledge that there are fans now I know that there's no fans at the Mm. games but all he has to do is whether or not he's on social media and he's like you know looking at that who knows but well he is on social media I think but like you know I don't know how much he pays or or whatever, but yeah, there is definitely some of that. I mean, it's a weird situation that that we're in because there's no fans. It's it's very unusual for a manager to take over at a club and never be face to face with any of the supporters. You know, there's a level of exasperation, desperation, panic. There's all kinds of really, really raw emotions going around from supporters at the minute. You know, I, I've had the chat with um, the county lads for the podcast. You know, they were telling they were telling us about lots and lots of really interesting stuff. You know, their their message was. You can't underestimate how volatile the situation is and you've got to be able to act, you've got to be able to do something about it, especially with what's going on with COVID and the the, the finances and all this kind of stuff. It's not just us, but football at our level is in a very, very perilous state, isn't it? And, you know, we're all sick of what's been going on for the last few years, but, uh, you know, we've never been in such a vulnerable position.
1: No, absolutely not. And I know we're only, what, four games into the season. We are where we are. Yes, we picked up a positive point yesterday, but ultimately... We're, we're third bottom, you know. And if Grimsby pick up a point in one of the two games in hand that they've got, then we're in the relegation zone, you know. And, and yes, you don't want to get too worried at this stage, but I'd rather get worried now than after 40 games when we can do absolutely nothing about it. So, you know, let's just, just continue to raise those red flags. And But yeah, early signs with Carl with, with have, have been positive, but, you know, you need to start seeing results. You need to start seeing some action, I think.
0: And Will, you, you mentioned on previous podcasts that, you know, you've been involved in the trust and you've been on the board. You know, we put a, a direct call out in the last podcast for the trust and then to reach out with PTB and to get involved and chat. Has, has that happened, or is anything moving on that front?
2: Yeah, so we've we got in contact with, with the trust. Um, the problem they have on on their side is that obviously they're uh, a new board um, and they're still trying to find their feet and, and get their first meeting done and dusted. But once that's happened, we we really need to touch base with them and, and see what their plans are, what their vision is as a as a new new trust. And then, then we can see if we can if we can work with them, see if there's anything we can do together, if that's something that they want to do. So it's, it's, it's we put yeah, the we put the call out to them, we've 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 got in contact with them. Um the and we're just water waiting water, to yeah. see what comes have back resp- from that. Have
0: they responded?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um we um sent a uh, contact to Philippa, and we've been speaking to her. But then, obviously, she needs to speak to the rest of the board and, and get back.
0: It's just in case of trying to keep fans up to date. Really, um, that's been one of the one of the major frustrations, has not it? That, that you know of, you know, people not knowing what's going on. So, we're going to try and use the podcast as, as a way to keep people informed. If there's not that much yeah. to tell them week by week, then we'll tell them that. But if there is, then we then we will. So that's why I'm, I'm asking.
2: Yeah, yeah. They um, yeah. They had a, a process at the end of their AGM, so all the um directors that have been been appointed, they've got a process to wait so long after the AGM. So I think they're just following their processes, and and then then they've got their meeting to to plan in and and take it forward from there.
1: I think it's to do with like appeals and complaints and things like that that yeah. they've got to wait a certain time. And I think once that's done, then I think that, you know, and everything sort of set in stone, and they can they can kick on. But yeah, I think. It's one of those, who appreciate that they're a new board, but also, you know, as the, as the county boys were saying, time is of the essence. Definitely.
0: It doesn't feel to me like there's a sense of urgency coming out of the trust in terms of taking into account everything that you just said and appreciating all that. The sense of urgency of that we've got to steady the ship here and make sure that nothing really, really bad happens. and. They've got their, I don't know what, what kind of plans they've got for re engagement with fans and stuff like that. We'll this is, out. this
1: is what they need to work out. They need to work out quickly, to be honest. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, I, th- I think in the past, they've always sort of tried to, um, they've had a way that they, they would deal with fans, you know, and I think it's probably kind of tail wagging the dog. I think if anything, the fans should be the ones that dictate to the trust how, how it operates in, in the sense of we are with no fans, they don't exist. So. Yeah. You know, that they have to, they have to sort of learn how to, how to engage with fans better. Hopefully, you know, we'll see that, we'll see that soon. It'd be great to work together with them to actually sort of have a, have a, have a, a kind of a two pronged attack on, on things, things that are going on at the club. Because if we do that, then the message is even stronger, especially when you consider that, you know, the 3% that they've got as well. You know, let's, let's start throwing some weight around with, with regards to that. I mean, the message you, coming out
0: of the county lads was, you know, unity is so important at this stage. We've all got to come together. There's no point in us all fighting and, and, and working in different directions. Future of, we have one thing in common, and that's that we want all of them to survive and to thrive. So cooperation is everything.
1: Yeah. I think I know, I know Russ, he was on the cooperative board at, at county. I think. I, think he, I think they had quite a lot of different factions, like they had different groups. And, and I think when, when things were really starting to go down the pan, I think they all came together. As yeah. one as one group, so they sort of took yeah. somebody from each group and said, "Right, well, we're going to have like a unified board," and and did it that way. So you know, and I think obviously we've not got we've not got as many groups yeah. as them, but I think the same kind of unity needs to be needs to be shown. You know, we're all we're all in this together, aren't we?
0: Yeah, and ultimately we all we all want the same thing. It's just people have different ideas about how we're going to get to that point, I guess, um, and how we're going to do it. So that's what needs. It's not going to be easy, is it? It's not going to be easy. Yeah, we've got to, I mean, trying to make, you probably you know yourself from Push the Boundaries, only four of you. I'm sure you have your disagreements mm. and your, you know, sometimes there's frustrations with things moving forward and it, it happens with, it doesn't, it happens in couples for God's sake all the time, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like when you're trying to do that on the behalf of, Thousands of people who are all very, very different. You know, one thing that unites us right. is football, but we, we could be divided on on everything else in terms of our mm-hmm. politics and how we think about things and our our views and how we do things. So it's not an easy thing to coordinate football fans and, and, and get everyone working on the same page, is it?
1: No, and and, and we do. You know, we do have. I won't say disagreements, but we do have things that we we don't necessarily want to do the same way. But I think we're all we're all of the same mind that. If we're going to send, some, if we're going to put something out, it has to be right. It has to be done for the right reasons, and and we have to be in a definitely a, the vast majority of us need to agree that it's the thing to do. So otherwise, you you know you'll just fall foul of of, of things. So yeah, they need they need to find that that direction.
0: It's just it's yeah. simple democracy, but you've got to have the you've got to have the numbers sufficient numbers to be able to say that. Look, this is what we've had a vote, x amount of thousand people want to do this and, and so we're right behind that, that's what we're going to do i think that's it and whatever we
1: wh- whatever we do and i guess whatever the trust do it has to be done with weight of numbers behind it yeah you know that's the totally. thing and, and and i think the important thing for us is to to work out what those what those numbers are you know i know we've said it in the past but are things as bad as as, as they perhaps seem on paper you know are, are the people who just shout loudest on twitter about about protests and things are you know are, do they represent the majority of people, I think that's, that's the kind of stuff that we need to find out. And I yeah. think, I think we know what the answer is going to be. Don't get me wrong, but I think we need to, we, we need to be fair and we need to put that out to people. So, um, I think there might be one or two bits coming out from us this week in terms of, in terms of that. You know, we've had conversations with, um, Carl. We've let him know our, our, our stance and our thoughts on, on that. And um, we've also had a chat with the FSA as well. So we've given them the heads up on, on things. So there'll be some, some bits of stuff coming out from us this week, I reckon.
0: I've been asking fans every week to get in touch and get involved with the podcast and I'm delighted to say that Thomas Berry from Wrexham has been in touch. Thomas is currently studying sports journalism at Preston Uni and expressed an interest in doing some match analysis for the podcast.
4: So I had a quick chat with him. Even as a as a younger child, loved the stats of the game and watching a football match and picking it out piece by piece, even when I'm set at Boundary Park, so There's no better opportunity than to jump on and just provide a bit of an insight into some of the more in-depth parts of the game if people are interested in that sort of stuff. Some of the games are so
0: boring at the minute that it's hard to stay engaged, if you know what I mean, and actually study what's going on on the pitch sometimes because your mind starts wandering and you start getting (laughs) bored. I don't know if you find that, but I certainly do.
4: Um, Some games, definitely, yeah, you, you sit there and think, God, I haven't seen a shot on target in seventy, eighty minutes and you just can't help but think, God, oh, what have I paid to watch? But sometimes it's just smaller things like as a team's attacking, and you think this three on two, you you try and predict where the ball's gonna end up and how they're gonna end up trying to work it into the box and seeing, oh well so and so played well last week, so how they're gonna do this week and seeing if they're included and just the adding things up. Aspect of it all really. It's, it's quite, it's quite good when you've got it on a piece of paper in front of you and you can see everything that's happened throughout the course of the season.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like breaking down the sort of individual elements that make up the, the whole. So we'll see how that works out anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll look forward to you giving us some insight into how we're getting on statistically and also looking at our opponents as well. And you might be able to give us some insights and maybe some, Harry some insights into where we might be able to uh, do some damage.
4: Yeah, definitely. It's worth having a look at and seeing who's obviously performing well. Obviously, fans themselves will be able to have their opinion each week on which players play best. But from a, a statistical point of view, it might be good to just get the stats out there and help a few people make their minds up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, you've, you're from Wrexham in I North am North indeed, Wales yeah. and you're an Oldham fan. So how did that come about?
4: It was it was my dad really. He's uh, he's from nearby uh, Ashton Underline, and moved to Oldham uh, when he was a lot younger. So he went to Boundary Park, watched a couple of games, and as he said, he got hooked. And we'd travel every week from Wrexham when I was younger to go watch Oldham at Boundary Park. So if we'd won, it was a fantastic journey home. If we'd lost, as you can imagine, it was pretty quiet and not the same. So so you yeah, had plenty of quiet trips home then, yeah. Yeah, plenty of quiet, <laughs> trip, especially on a, especially on a Tuesday night as well.
0: One of the things um, that I've noticed from doing this podcast and people getting in touch, though, there's Lattice fans everywhere. We're we're all over the place, all over the world. And even no matter where you are, once you're hooked, you're hooked, aren't you? even if we've always been crap. like in your, That's uh, your experience, I think.
4: I was going to say, uh, being 20, almost 21, I've, I've only known League One football. The best I ever had was uh, Ronnie Moore and John Sheridan, the good days of that. So to hear the stories from back in the day of the Premier League makes you a bit jealous. And as you say, people travel from all over to watch that. You see Twitter accounts posting that they're from America, and even travelling into the games from Wrexham, me and my dad would always pass a car coming past us on the motorway that had an olden scarf in the back window coming from North Wales. Yeah. So we weren't the only person making that journey every week.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully we'll all be making the journey and enjoying it and seeing some success again pretty soon. So uh, good to talk to you and looking forward to your, to your first analysis. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Thomas.
4: Not a problem. Thank you very
0: much. So I asked Thomas to go away and have a look at the season in statistics so far, and give us a quick summary of where we're at when it comes to the facts and figures.
4: I think looking at our season so far from a statistical point of view is not good reading. Looking at just the league games alone, we are a team that has not had more possession of the game by one game, which was the game against Crawley. Nate and Orient game, first game of the season, we only had three shots on target, and we only forced their keeper to make two saves. But then when you look at the Nate and Orient stats. They only had 3 shots on target themselves, it was more of a case of getting the ball in good areas to take those shots. When we go to the Stevenage game, that was an absolutely awful performance. Stevenage, a team that had not won at home in over a year, had 21 shots 12 on target, Whereas Oldham only had 11 shots and 1 on target. The chances created have been poor this season and we really needed to change. Against Crawley was where we saw the change most. We had 15 shots and 6 on target, we were starting to build on something and look better. And then to come into this weekend's game against Colchester, there was a lot of changes, there was a lot of restructuring the team and that didn't work for Harry Q in the first half. We'd only had 1 shot on target by half time, which is all we had in the Stevenage game and it was looking like we'd be going along the same lines for that game. But then. With the half time substitutions, and it has to be given credit to Harry Kueh as he's got them right in this game, but especially with Baham coming on for his debut for Whelan, we started to cause problems straight away. Uh, the Colchester defence couldn't deal with Baham Bula, it was absolutely fantastic the way he was playing. and he got the chance, he got the ball to get the penalty from McElaney, who has been an outstanding player this season. He's got three goals in his last two games, he's absolutely fantastic, he's been brilliant all season and got six goals in all competition. Three in He's really impressed many with the quality he's shown and he's definitely our outlook. He's our top goalscorer this league with three goals and going against Morecambe, a team that have only kept one clean sheet this season, he could be really key into getting a point. I think the area we've shocked most is the amount of corners we've won. Although we've not had many shots, in every league game we've played this season, bar the Stevenage game, we've had five or more corners. Which for a team that hasn't really scored freely and has only just scored their first away goals of the season again against Colchester. We've not really scared many teams. They've always had the ball more. They've always been in control. They've been pressuring us, for then us to have to fight back and try and find something.
0: This is a test of the boundary Park Alert System. I'm chatting with uh, Russ and Nick from the Scarf Begara War the Stockport County podcast I've reached out to them because as Oldham fans, we're all a little bit uncertain about what our future might hold. And one of the things that comes up quite a bit is, while at least we're not Stockport, or we're not Bury, or we're not Macclesfield, but I'm not, I'm not entertaining the thought of Bury and Macclesfield just yet. Let's start with the possibility of relegation out of the Football League. And who better to ask about that than a, a town and a team that is local to us, Stockport County. So welcome to the podcast, lads. Yes, Thank you. I must admit, I miss Stockport County as a fan. I I lived in South Manchester for uh, about ten years, so like going to Stockport away was was my local uh, nearest ground, you know. And local rival, you don't want to be missing out on your local your local rivals, do You You know those those trips are the best. So I do hope that Aldo and and Stockport play again soon. I hope it's in the Football League though, as opposed to the National League. Where did it all go wrong for Stockport?
5: I'll just I'll just start by saying getting relegated to the non-league is the least of your worries. Yeah, we we got we got relegated in 2011, and that you know that was the worst thing that could ever happen to us. So we thought. Oh, so we thought. Yeah. Nearly 10 then, years
0: ago, that's mad.
5: Yeah, and then we got relegated again to the National North League. Yep. Which again was it was just abhorrent. You know, it, it, we were just beside ourselves, and then we were getting beat by the likes of Rushall Olympic. We were getting beat by. Vauxhall Motors, Colwyn oh. Bay at home, you know, and it it was just absolutely disgusting. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm right, Alan Nick. But what we've done, I mean, we started our podcast in 2015, so we're right slap bang in the middle of kind of what. Well, no, probably not what you're doing. You're doing it a bit early, actually. If 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 what comes, I hope doesn't come to for you, but it's looking like it is because you. You know, that's the way things are seen from, you know, seen from the outside. We started in 2015 and, and then Nick joined in 2016. And we had, we were, we had nothing to, well, we had loads to talk about, but it was all negative, negative. And we actually recently started a, like a mini series on the side of the dark days. So we've got a mini, mini series of podcasts, just detailing all the, What would you call it? Fred Karno Circus has (laughs) has has been a theme throughout it of charting with people who were at the club at the time who were employed by the club. And one of them was employed by Oldham as well. Later on, he was your media manager later on after he left county charting exactly what happened over. I think we're up to about 15 hours worth now of podcast. And we've only just got to 2015, I think. Oh, no, 2014. I've still got the next
3: six years to cover. Yeah,
5: yeah. So you've been out of the football league for nearly ten
0: years, nine years. Yeah. Obviously, things started going wrong at County before then. Do you see any similarities between what's happening at Oldham and what happened at County? It
3: seems that way. Just from, I mean, my, my limited knowledge has just been from looking on the Oldham message boards and seeing what people are saying on social media, and straight away, there's it, it's just like deja vu. There's, I mean, there's been a few people for a while who've been warning against some, about something like this. I mean, it was the same with us as well. Those people month, months ahead of everyone else saying this is all going to go to pot. And then when it did, they were just sat there saying, well, I told you so.
5: The main similarities for me are, and and this is in, this is at different points in our history, in our recent history, it's not, it's not sort of parallel to what's going on at you, but the ground we had, we've, you know, once Sail Sharks left, the ground was... Well, it retained by Sale Sharks, wasn't it? it? Retained by Brian Kennedy, so we're paying rent to him. So there was what I'm saying is there was there was um, infighting and there was a lot of uncertainty around the ground, which there is at Oldham Athletic with right. the North Stand. Is it?
0: Yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah. So that's not owned by. It just, I don't. I don't know the details. So I just know that um, it's it's not part of the, the the full thing, is it?
0: No, it's not. It's not. not it's not owned by the club. No. It's all. I mean, there's I think there's three parties involved at Luton. It's all very messy. Nobody really knows, it. <laughs> off the top that, of their head, what's going on with all that. Yeah, well,
5: that's it. So that's that's kind of where we were in between twenty, well, two thousand and six, and forget when the council bought it off. Say, when did the council buy it off sale sharks?
3: We're talking within the last five or six years, aren't you now?
5: So yeah. So yeah. so the, the, there there's that similarity. The other similarity is one really that didn't really take hold at county is you've got an owner now who, on the face of it to me, seems like a charlatan doesn't know what he's doing he's not he doesn't look like he's capable or has the capacity to run a football club and we we almost entered into that. <laughs> with with a bit, one particular one particular guy who came along, flashing some flashing some banknotes. So we 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 dodged a bullet there, really. But the other thing, I guess, is similarity is manager after manager after manager. You know, we went through that. We had one resign on the pitch. You know, we had we had manage, famous managers. Didier Man, like you've had Paul Skulls, We had Didier Man for what? i seven months or something. I can't remember.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. he came in he came in in June and he was gone by about October. I think.
0: I think he. Did, oh, I was yeah. just having a quick look on Wikipedia before. that he win about three games in? Yeah. About Twenty games or something like that.
3: There's a lot of draws in there, strangely, but yeah, yeah, it was very uninspiring.
0: And do you think that what happened was it was kind of like an avalanche or whatever? Like, that was just had this building of momentum over time until it got to an unstoppable point, or how would you? Sort of how we? What are your memories of the whole of the whole time? <sighs> i think the,
3: the start of it all for me was as soon as we didn't own as soon as the ground was separated from the club you've got big big trouble there mm. as, as you see yep. um but for me it was going go into administration and then any other club that goes into admin takes it as a chance to get things right and start again from scratch but we just seemed to, after administration we just seemed to lurch from one disaster to another
5: yeah so it's it's, it's that it's that lack of structure I think, mm. and, and lack of sort of cohesion with anybody inside the club. And I, I think I mentioned it to Steve, and he mentioned it on episode three of your podcast, that a couple of Stockport fans had mentioned 2009 to him. That's because, and that the similarities are, that's because in 2009, that's when we had our first administration. That's right, yeah. isn't it? And when that's we were in League One. Yeah. Just got beat by Brighton away mm. at their old ground. I, can't remember, I, was, I was there, but I can't remember what the ground's called. With, with Dean. Dean,
0: Dean yeah, with with Dean, the With right it. Yeah. it.
5: Yeah, so you know that that put them ahead of us because of our points deduction. We didn't go down that season, went down the next season, and then it just started to fall. So we, we had the trust, our own trust, had the club in their you know custodianship. Yeah, that all went to rat shit. <laughs> they were people doing the best. So you know they're not business. They're not business people. They're not. Football people, all the the football fans doing the best for the club, yeah, um that sort of went, didn't it then we had another group, the twenty fifteen group that came in to run it for a bit, didn't really have the resources to run it you know to to take it back up, so we just we just went into free fall, basically,
0: I feel like another. if I had a little one of those little bells that you have on a counter at the bank or at a shop, and I could just ding every time you said something that that just rang similar to older, but I'd just be hitting it all the time, you know, like yeah. I mean, yeah, supporters trust. We've obviously got one which is doing its best, let's say, to be put it kindly, but it's doing it ineffectively and it's just kind of shrunk out of virtually out of existence, I think, or out of relevance. Um, your, your trust got to take over the club, which, you know, so there's no saying that once you get to that point that that, that is something that, that a trust is capable of, of being able to manage. It's uh, one thing to say, oh, the fans need to own the club, it's another in practice. You know, that's what—that's really, why I said before. It feels like once a certain chain of events starts to unfold, it all seems to be going—it all seems to go in one direction, and that's what it feels like with us. Like you, you, that's basically what you said earlier on. It was just like one chain of events after another.
5: Yeah, it is. it's just one. It was just one catalogue of errors one after the other We're, i mean we got unlucky sometimes i mean it was incompetent sometimes it was just being unlucky sometimes you know some of the stories we've heard on the dark days stuff it's ju- it's just jaw-dropping it really is yeah and the trust took over i mean I, I i was i was a member of i was i was on the board of the trust after they collapsed and left the club so it all went to sort of Dissipated, and I, I, I wanted to do something a bit like yourself. I wanted to get involved, try and try and do something, and put some time into it. And I went to a uh, supporters trust of course in Manchester, and there was other there was other supporters trust there. So you had representatives from Blackpool, Wrexham FC, United. I was there, Rochdale. Yeah, I think that was pretty much it. And we all went around the table and said what our what our grievances were and why we were you know why we were there. Why were we trying to learn how to run a, a supporters trust and the re- the reason why I'm telling you this is because Blackpool were there. Blackpool had just come out of the Premier League with a parachute payment, was second or third in the Championship at the time, and they were sat at the table, and they were they'd said their piece, and everybody else around the room just went, "What? You're third in the table? You just had a parachute payment, you know?" And this was I, I forget when it was, you know, how, how long ago it was. It was obviously when they came out of the Premier League, but they, they those fans there. Those two fans sat there, which creating their separate trust because they didn't they didn 't trust the one that was in place the other you know, fans one they were starting their own because they did not trust the Oysters. they said mm-hmm. they 're going to ruin us we 're going to free fall if we don 't do something about it mm-hmm. and then what happened? you know we were all sat there laughing at him, yeah you know but it, but it, it it played out, and you can. I hate to say it and i don 't like, but it, that it 's playing out at all of them
0: listen you, 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 you don 't say anything that there is a small band of Oldham fans that are walking around with bags on their heads and corks in their ears, trying to, you know, pretend that everything's all right and 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 sucking up to the owner and stuff like that. But you don't have to be a genius to see what's happening. And it's been happening for years. You'll have to give a plug out to your, to those Dark Days um, episodes because I think they sound really interesting. I think Olden fans could probably learn a lot from those. Just from, yeah, and hopefully, and hopefully we can avoid some of the mistakes. I mean, yeah. one of the questions I was going to ask you... What do you think we can do? Is there anything that we can do to to, to try and st- stop the rot and, and turn things around?
3: I think you constantly need fan, need fans like yourself to be pushing. I think that, that was the, the one thing for us, that there were always a few voices, no matter what happened. When 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 stuff did start, start to seem as though it was picking up, there was always people chipping away, saying, well, what now? What now? Why this? Why that? It's staggering. Over the last 10 years, I've noticed... I thought I thought it was more of a nineties thing, but it seems to be quite prevalent nowadays that people just want to go to the game, go home on a Saturday, and that's it. And I, I thought that, that kind of attitude have died out. But I've noticed lot, the last decade of getting more involved with county, I've found that, that is that is the case. There are people who just aren't interested. So it's it's about keeping the interest of those people really and making making those people realise there's something going on.
5: From my perspective, having been part of the trust, which I mean, Nick was on the board of of, of our. Well, it's, it's a co-op now. Nick was on the board um, not shortly after me. What What's somebody quite quite prevalent? It's quite well known in 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 Stockport County fans, you know, in, in in sort of the fans' name. He basically got all the different factions of the football supporters' clubs and trusts and things, and pulled them all together into one. so we had we had we had an official supporters club a junior supporters club a trust you know other things out there he just got everybody in a room and said right we need to sort this shit out now let's all get together and call it something one thing let's be together and and sort of pull in the right direction it just so happens that the co-op was one of those as well the Stockport County supporters co-op the co-op was the only one which I was part of at the time. It was the only one that had the legal framework behind them to hold a guardian account, or you know, to to have have votes for who's on the board at the, you know once a year at an AGM. As much as it died away, the co-op we were very we were very um, conscious that we needed to keep that burning, that light burning, no matter what happened. You know, we we wouldn't let, let that light go out at all for the co-op. Mm-hmm. Once he's called Dave Schofield, and I've have mentioned him to Steve as well. I think I think you should have a chat with him if you if you haven't already he was part of that he got that together he also organized earlier on up you know further upstream marches to the ground you know and marches to offices where you know he knew these people were doing wrong i, f- I forget the detail. it's all in the dark days uh series yeah so he got them all together uh, and I, I remember the conversation he sort of said right well, now we're all together you know we need an organization that that's got the framework for um for, for holding some, some sort of guardian cap so we could start raising money. And the co-op put, you know, we put our hand up well, we've got that. So it all started to gravitate then towards the co-op. I don't know if you agree, Nick, but I think that was a massive start of it, you know, where because then the co-op started to get a voice then and then slowly started to get itself invited to uh, the meetings as a, as a bona fide sort of organisation. Yeah. So the boardroom meetings, it got a voice with the chief exec and they started to take us seriously then.
3: That was certainly the the start of the upturn that we've seen since then, both on and off the pitch. That was the co-op getting involved definitely. I mean that that Guardian account that you mentioned, that's up to about is it sixty odd grand. It's up to now.
5: Yeah, I mean it is. And and another sort of key thing we did was the. Um... What was it? The, the ground was a... We, we registered the ground
3: oh, as a... Uh, asset of community value. That's it. An asset yeah, of
5: community yeah. value. We, re, we got that registered. So because, because we didn't... We, the, you know, the ground was our ground once we lost it in 2004 or whatever it was. It's always been up in the air. So we, we registered that so that if somebody wanted to buy the ground, they had to consult the co-op first. And that's, that's how we played it so that we safeguarded the ground. Because um, if we lost the ground, then that's the heart ripped out of Stockport County. You yeah,
0: because you, do, you be don't here have a home, do you? You've got no focal point. No,
5: well, that, so, well that's it. The only, the only asset that the club had throughout those whole times is the fans. You know, I remember uh, pre-season, last season, going to... We had a friendly at Atlantic's And I just remember looking around thinking, this isn't the old one that I knew. You know, it, we. I mean, we won 2-0, and th- that was on the pitch. Off the pitch, it was just desolate. I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, it's like you've got... I don't know, it's the separation throughout the club. That, that's what it feels like, you know, outside looking in.
0: The hope that I get from all this is like, you know, and what it does is it shows people like Abdallah and, and more of the owners, the fans aren't going anywhere. It doesn't matter how desperate it gets. They're going to stick together and they're going to do what they need to do to keep the heart of their community beating, which is the football club. And I've no doubt that after all this, Stockport County will be a better football club. It will be a more important football club to the community. And what you've done to keep it alive will, in the long run, will be worth it. And you'll look back on your dark days and your podcasts and oh. you, you hopefully you'll be able to record a series which is you know, the bright days, the future, the opposite of that, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and you have your ups and your downs along the way, like, like, like all football clubs should and could, because you need to have perspective, don't you? you don't, this is what I'm a bit worried about with these elite clubs now going off in the, the other direction, that they're, that they're losing all perspective on. Football clubs have their ups and downs. It's part of what it's supposed to be about. You know, you know not, There's not supposed to be a monopoly of brilliance and a monopoly of misery he's supposed to share it around a bit. That's the whole point of having promotion and relegation. But, you know, we're talking about extremes, but I just think what you've done is, and should be inspiring to all them fans. And I think what you said about types of fans is, is interesting as well. You do have the types. I mean, I talked to my mum and dad about this stuff. They just want to turn up. They've got been season ticket for many years. They just want to go to the game and go home. It's part of their routine. And then there's others that are, uh, can see what's going on and, you know, are trying to mobilize. And so how do you think that those people can engage the other people in, in and sort of make them aware enough and desperate enough to realize that they, they need to act as well?
5: Yeah. You, you've got to act. I mean, we, we've, we, the way, the way that you're talking probably suggests that you don't know what's happened to us recently, which is we've had a huge investment and and that's come through years and years of painstaking trying to clear the decks and get the club into a position where it can be invested in yeah. and we've, we've we've had shareholders that have held on to I don't know 10 the ten grand that the road you know was 15 grand that the road um, and the hot you know this this has been a oh god what are we are it's been an 11 year journey really probably longer than that trying to clear out clear those decks uh, and keep keeping the club alive I mean I'm sure Nick will agree with me on this. What you what you what you've got to do, you've got to act and get out there. I, you know, the amount of times that I was stood outside the ground handing leaflets out about the co op, you know, to people who haven't got an internet connection, don't do Twitter, all that kind of thing. Here's yeah. a leaflet. Oh, what's this about? Oh blah, blah. I got called a trouble causer on many occasions, you know, mm. from people who just want to go to the ground and yeah. watch the football.
0: What they don't realise is that if you're not standing there handing out leaflets, the day is going to come where they, they ain't got a football club to go and watch.
5: Exactly, yeah.
0: So fair play, you know, fair play to you. And that's that's really why I wanted you on as well, because it does give us some hope. And hopefully the people that are listening are going to want to get involved and they're going to want to do their bit and they're going to get in touch I've had emails from Nova Scotia this week and all sorts of stuff, you know, saying that I've lost interest in, in Latics over recent years, but I've listened to your podcast and I'm, I'm fired up now and, I, I, you know, we want our club back. And if we have to end up down where, where you lads ended up, then that, so be it. But the, the point is, is that you don't give up.
5: Yeah. You'd rather, I think, a phrase that I've not heard yet, but I, I, can, I can feel it coming. You'd rather be a Stockport than a, than a Berry or a Macclesfield because we, we, we kept all of our club. By hook or crook. Those lads haven't been so lucky, have they?
3: I no. think that's why it's why it's been harder for us, though, I think. Because um, I mean, it's one thing dropping into non-league. But, and, and the same applies to Oldham as well. When you're a club that's been, like, within the last 30 years, Oldham have been in the Premier League. So, for, for a club who's had that recent history up there to drop into... Dropping to non league, it's just unthinkable. When it when it does happen, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure Russell agree. The first first season we dropped into non-league, there was there was an element of our support thinking, oh, it's only non-league, we'll smash it. Yeah. And then definitely. First game was Forest Forest Green away on a Friday night. Yeah. And it was just oh oh we're we're here now. This is us now for a while. I didn't think it'd be over ten years that we'd we'd still be here.
0: Cause you still get decent crowds, don't you? You've got a good away following, and you get decent crowds at Edgeley Park. So, like, what you always think is, oh well, they, they have far more fans than anybody else, so they're going to have far more money than everybody else, and they're going to be able to spend their way out of the league. But that's not obviously how it works. No, is it? It, it doesn't work. It
5: doesn't work like the last that. Six
3: months where that's been the case, I suppose. Up, up until six months ago, we were still paying debts off to shareholders and stuff. So the, there was just a black hole where money was disappearing seemingly. Yeah.
5: Yeah, so the money was coming in from the fans and going straight on maintaining the ground that we've got and paying the rent for the ground that we've got and you know you know like like Nick was saying paying off paying off shareholders. It's only since January the seventh that it, it started to look look good for us.
0: I think that the really important message here is the fans have kept the club together. You've made it investable. You've made yeah. it investable. You've what you've done is. Like you say, cleared the decks, and you've made it so that it's appealing to anyone who's got money who wants to come in. And then, because of your role in the infrastructure of the club, you can be selective about who that person is. What was your role in in accepting investment and investors?
5: Well, we can't really say because I think the co-op were in, the co-op must have been involved in or kept abreast of 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 that. There's there's two elements here. That another thing that I've got to mention, you know, our fans groups got together, we 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 pulled up to one and and and. Sort of had the voice that way. We had two volunteers who worked for the club voluntarily, but still had day jobs that kind of went in and ran it. George Hudson and Steve Bellis. They were absolutely instrumental in in turning the tank around, getting rid of all the you know all the money that were hemorrhaging, bringing back little things like. Um, you know, the kids sweet stall on a Saturday and all these little, all these little bits and, and making the corporate day, you know, run again. They, I mean, they did loads more than that. I'm I'm probably underselling it there for him to be fair, um, but they, that's what they did. So that's as well as pooling the fans together, you know, we had, we had people on the inside. So, I, you know, I'm not, obviously I'm not, I can't sit here and recommend what you should do, but, that's what happened to us. And that really, really worked. It cleared the, that helped clear the decks and it got, not only did it do that, it got the f- more fans behind it because we had these two f- County fans in the club now, you know, doing things the County way and the way we, you know, a- as fans, they were doing it and not, not as like businessmen who, who didn't, didn't give a toss. I guess um, the
0: difference there that immediately comes to mind is you had the opportunity because there was nobody else to do it. Whereas we've got currently still got the ownership in place and, they're, you know, hiring and firing, mainly firing. You know, they're doing all that, so it's very difficult for us to actually get that in the club at the minute. Yeah. Until it all goes proper tits up, is when we could do it, which obviously we don't want to happen. But
5: no, but when it when it goes tits up, you need to be ready, yeah. don't you? With 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 some sort of organisation that's that's yeah. powered up to to run a football club,
0: which is supposed to be trust them.
5: We thought our trust were ready for it, and they weren't, and that was the, You know, <laughs> that was another. Torpedo into the bow. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, some of the false dawn, weren't it? They got shot down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what? What? So, we'll say is I think it's more the stuff that Russ mentioned about get, getting county fans on board. so this. started doing more work in the community, getting free tickets out to schools and stuff. Yeah. You need to be doing that from uh, before you drop out of the league, ideally, because once you, we we went about four or five years without anything like that going on at the club. Until until those people Russ, Russ mentioned came in, and yeah. when when you're trying to get something like that up and running, when you're in non-league with clubs like United and City down the road, yeah. it's nigh on impossible.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, you, know, you know, Russ, you you know, Steve from Push the Boundary, and you know, they they started that a year ago because there was obviously a hole in what the yeah, trust yeah. were doing or weren't doing. So there is some momentum my initial thoughts and I put something to to push the boundary, which I'm waiting for them to come back to me on is we need to do more. We need to do a lot more. and We need to do it now. There's no yeah. time. The well, time you, to hesitate you, is through yeah, the, yeah. the doors, you, you know, because yeah. we are wallowing in the mire. Try now, yeah. Come on. You know what I mean? You need to,
5: you need to do it yesterday. I mean, yeah. yeah. How, just Just going back to, you know, clearing the decks and then our new investment. I mean, the the, the uh, not rumor it, it, it was it's been mooted really that that's been a two year process itself they've been they were interested a long time ago and then they've had talks and talks and talks and talks for two years and i believe that our co-op i, I think i'm pushing it when i say you know could have vetoed it or could have you know could have you know made decisions as part of a, a you know a, a vote or whatever i think i think that's too stretching the truth a bit a bit too far but i'm sure they were kept in the loop I'm I'm hundred percent sure of that. I mean, like you
0: know, once you've gone through all that effort, all that suffering, all that volunteering, losing to teams that I can't even remember the name of now, and all that, for someone to then come in to the club who was again wrong for the club would be just heartbreaking, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? They, they, that's, so that yeah, that's can't happen, can long. it? You know, yeah. like and yeah. you know, I think with with uh, I think that's one of the things that is really upsetting for us is. Everyone was so set under Simon Corny, like, just slowly strangling the club, like, and just becoming more and more lifeless. And and then I'm only going to sell it, he said, to the right person. And then he sells it to these. And it's like, like, we was optimistic for about 20 minutes and then it just...
3: I think that, how much
0: of it do you think he
3: 's actually on on the football league as well because th- their their experience of doing what i 've seen of the fit fit and proper persons test some of the some of the charlatans being allowed to run football clubs so th- so do you, do you blame them a lot as well or
0: well the way I look at it is whenever there 's large organizations that deal with large amounts of money just follow the money and then you 'll see where the problem is where the corruption is where the Self-interest lies where the, the lack of doing things properly, you know, and, and just taking the cream off the top. It's always, it's always the way, you know. So, yeah, of course. Like, you've got the AFL, the Premier League, contrasting um, interests. You know, football should be – football in this country should be seen as a one whole entity. Um, what happens at the top affects what happens at the bottom, what happens at the bottom of, at the top. You're pro- you know, you can, you can have a, one of your lads at county – could be the next Georgie Best. If United want to buy him, United will offer you peanuts for him. You mm. know what I mean? But if they, if they want to buy him from Borussia Dortmund, they have to pay hundreds of millions for him. And it's all wrong. Like the whole system is just wrong. So yeah, the, the, I mean, I know that the Premier League clubs were having a meeting the other day about, should we like help out the lower league clubs? Like with these little bits of money that we desperately need, you know, should we, uh, Chelsea is, spunking 200 million on players while the whole country is fucked. You know, football's lost. It's like, it's just, it's criminal, really. So, and to answer your question, yeah, the EFL, but the whole system is fucked. And, I mean, how do you, you know, how do you sort that out? (laughs) You know what I mean? mean, It seems to me
3: when like an old... I mean, not just old historic clubs, but community hubs, these clubs are as well. When they're going, like, Macclesfield and Bury are going bump. There seems to be a lot of hand-wringing, a lot of, oh, it's such a shame. But again, like you said, nothing changes. That's it. There'll just be, some, we're doing it for someone else in 12 months' time. There'll be another club, and we are say, oh, it's awful. Isn't it awful?
0: It's almost and like it's like a, it's a resignation, awful. though. It's like, oh, well, you know, Greater Manchester clubs uh, are, are dropping off, like flies, you know, uh, include ch- um, cheshire in that uh, macclesfield and what's happened to county what's happened to bury what's happened to bolton what's happened to wigan what's happening to oldham it's like oh yeah well we've got city and united well fuck city and united what about all the rest of us it's just it's a nightmare it's just it's really really sad because but the apathy the apathy and that kind of uh, seems to permeate the towns as well like with like you were saying before the the urgency to try and keep the clubs alive just isn't there from within, from within the towns. And maybe that's from within the leaderships of the towns as well, the, the councils and the local governments that should be saying, this football club is is at the heart of this town and we need to keep it alive. We need to make it thrive, you know? And, and there just doesn't seem to be that desire at, at a political level to to do that either, does there?
3: I mean, our our fall into non-league, certainly. It certainly coincided with having, a I think it was a majorly Manchester City-led council yeah. In, ter- in terms of fans. Yeah. yeah. I um, to say that, yeah. But it's it's only it was only when we got some Stockport fans involved in the council that things started picking up in both in terms of the town and the club actually.
0: It's ridiculous. The amount of the amount of revenue and for the economy, thousands and thousands of football fans. You know, we don't Crawley brought about sixty-five fans with them the other year. <laughs> sixty-five, they would have all come on a coach and then buggered off again. Like they didn't spend a penny in the town. You know what you want is you want Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday turning you know, up. There'll be six thousand of them if you give them the tickets, and then you know they'll be drinking in the pubs and they'll be, you know, they might tear it up a little bit. But that's what you want on a Saturday afternoon, isn't it? I you want like it, that, you know. We, we need that. That's what we need. And if there was enough money in the in the in the leagues, so that football stayed, and it wasn't too expensive, and the stadiums were busy, there's no reason why from top to bottom in the English divisions there shouldn't be full stadiums, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand fans rocking up every week having the crack, jumping up and down. And, and it's it should be like that. Towns representing themselves in other towns. You know, I'm, I'm dying to go to Stockport and meet up with you lads for a, a couple of pints before the game. And just all, I mean, just the thought of doing that, even now I've not been for a pint for, I don't know how long, like, <laughs> but you know, we can't go to a football match. It's just very, very sad. And like, I get I get inspiration from talking to people like you lads and, and what, what the county fans have done, because I, unfortunately I think we're going to be in that position. Pretty quickly.
5: Yeah, it does get grim. It does get grim. I remember. I remember being at Colwyn Bay away. Colwyn Bay is not a very nice place anyway, and it was on sort a of bank holiday Monday, so nothing happening. And There was about 300 of us on the main street in, you know, in, in, a, in a couple of pubs. Uh, and my uncle, who, who comes, who, who's you know lifelong county fan, I said, I said, have you, I said, have you seen this? This is shit, isn't it? I said, look at it. And he went, Yeah, but when we're back in the football league, at least you can say you were there. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's the only
3: reason we've <laughs> still been going for the last seven years.
5: <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's it is Bobbin's I've been saying I've been saying to He's who's, who's part of the your podcast, um, you know, don't don't wish about going down. I think in I think in League One, you know, when we were talking he, he was saying oh, if we went down to League Two, at least we could reset ourselves and come back up. I said, No, 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 don't don't wish that you go down. Because it's a, it's a never-ending cycle.
0: Yeah, I know. I see that on Twitter all like, right. I see that on Twitter. Would you rather get rid of them and go down and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, no. Well, we need to work out a situation which is the best solution. We need to fight for that, not just one or the other or accept this. Or <coughs> that. I think There is momentum in football, and it's even on. It's even goes downwards or it goes upwards. Um, when that ends, is <laughs> like yeah. it's just too unpredictable. So. Because
3: I know a lot of people thought we were we were bitter about dropping. I mean, obviously we were bitter about. I mean, we dropped out of the league after 100 and odd years. But it's. I mean, in the 70s we came very close with re-election every year. There were a few years where we should have dropped into non-league. So it wasn't so much the dropping down, like you said about momentum. Eventually we would have done. It's the manner in which it happened. That's. I think that's. A, it seems to be something that you're living again now. But at least you have got people trying to hold the club to account, which is half the battle. As soon as you've, you've actually got people with your in in with that frame of mind, then I think I think it does help. It does start to make a difference, even though even though it seems seems like it's not. But yeah, a lot of the time people, it is sinking in.
0: Well, you know what? I think that's a good place to end it because that's an optimistic and positive note to end on. Do you want to just give a shout out to your where people can listen to your podcast, and especially those dark days ones, they sound very interesting to us.
5: Yeah, so we've got a website, it's um, um and in there's all the links to all of our podcasts, and we've got a YouTube channel where we've got all of our previous podcasts, well, recent previous podcasts, uh, and that's where the Dark Day series is as well, and there's, I, think we're up to, I think we're up to five episodes, so there's about 13, 14 hours of content there, and that goes into a lot of detail so yeah strap in
0: thanks very much for your time lads I appreciate it thanks for coming thank on thank you for having us
5: um, yeah cheers and, for
0: having us and, um, hopefully we'll get to speak to you again and be able to have a pint in the football league
5: definitely fingers you know, crossed
0: we'll be awesome. sometime soon Cheers, lads. All right.
5: Cheers, Matt. See you later. Bye.
0: The Boundary Park Alert System is a Studio 6 production. It's hosted, edited, and mixed by me, Matt Dean. You can contact me on Twitter at Dublin OAFC and the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OAFC Podcast. Our email is bpalertsystem at gmail.com for all your voice messages. And please, if you like the show, do review and subscribe on whichever platform you listen. If you'd like to know more about Push the Boundary, you can visit their website, pushtheboundary.co.uk, and follow them on Twitter at ptb__oafc. The title music for the show is by DJ and producer Starian, and you can visit redlaserrecords.bandcamp.com for more information. Thanks for listening.